At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome into the Nuts. I'm Mike Palm. He's a ball Shaw. I'm all. It's All-Star Week, and that means we've got a great menu of topics. We're not necessarily breaking down games, as there aren't a lot this week, but we're going to delve into some future markets and some different things that we haven't had a chance to cover uh, since the Nuts started. Coming up in 10 minutes, we've got Robert Hayes from The Athletic. He hosts their football show, written some terrific articles, including articles about the Cowboys, Bucks, and the Bears that we want to ask him about. Tremendous weekend of sports, Amal, but let's uh, start Let's start in Milwaukee last night with Game 3. This was your singular play for the weekend. You laid the four points with the Milwaukee Bucks. and um, I, got a, I got it at three and a half, actually. Three and a, it, it, I think it closed around four and a half. Um, never really in doubt after the first quarter. Yeah, I'll tell you what, I was more upset about the England loss uh, than anything, uh, you know, because I cheer for the U.S. men's national team, and I have a feeling in my lifetime they're probably not going to hoist the World Cup. So England is kind of a pseudo team that I pull for. It was a big... Uh, Steven Gerrard fan, and of course, uh, Frank Lampard. But watching them, the disappointment, I went to sleep. I wake up at halftime. I knew this thing was over. I mean, to me, this is one of those bets. We go back to that Clippers game, two against the Mavericks. There was another one. I forgot which one. It was in the postseason, similar to that. This was one of those plays, Mike. If you are a better, and this is why I'm not a fan of units, this is a game where you unload the clip, and you sit there, and you take your chances. You have game three at home in a situation. And one of the things I pointed out, uh, this was off air. I was talking to somebody about, you look at game two. Phoenix shoots 50% from the three-point arc. 
Milwaukee was terrible in terms of shooting the basketball, and they lost the game by 10 points. If you just kind of average it out to where the average and the balance would be, you expect Milwaukee to come out and play well, and they win by 20. They outscored them. Uh, when they were down 36-30, because I went back and looked at the play-by-play, they were down 36-30. They outscored them from that point forward by 26 points. Yeah, a 10-point loss in Game 2. Phoenix shoots 50%. Milwaukee shoots 29% yeah. from beyond the arc in that game, as you mentioned. They've had Holiday on Chris Paul the last two games. Five, 10 turnovers in the last two games. It seems to have made a little bit of difference. He only had 10 turnovers in his previous five playoff games. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's going to, this series, I, I said this to you the other day. I said, this series hasn't begun yet. Until we see a road team win, I still think it's going to be tough. I like Milwaukee. Obviously, not quite as much as I did in game three, but I still love the Bucks in game number four. I think they're going to still win this series. Well, you thought that the bet over five and a half games for the series was good at 155. Yeah. It came down to about 135 yeah. after Phoenix won game two. Now you only need to get one more game out of the Bucks. Well, I think they have a great chance. Giannis is playing particularly well. I don't know if anyone thought Giannis was going to perform at the level he has when you look at what he's been able to do after that injury that was catastrophic. Second consecutive game over 40 points, trying to chase down MJ of four consecutive games of 40 points or more in an NBA Finals. Uh, that's not going to be the key. The key is, again, Middleton and Drew Holiday. They've got to shoot the ball with some efficiency. Giannis, with his two 40-point games in the yeah. Finals, now has more of them than Curry, Kobe, Tim Duncan, Larry Bird, Carl Malone, Kareem, and Wilt. There are only six players in NBA history that have three or more 40-point games in the Finals. We love to play them all guesses. Let's play them all guesses right now. I'll give you eight guesses to name the six players that have three or more 40-point games in the finals. Jerry West? He has 10 in the most. Jerry West? Yes. Uh, Michael Jordan? Michael Jordan has six, the yeah. third most. LeBron James? Yes, the chosen one has eight, the second <laughs> most. Now, it, it might, eh, a couple of these might get hard. Uh, the, uh, well, you got to go, ba- go back a while. I'm going to have to say, uh, how many games do they have over 40? Uh, one has five, one has four, one has three. Dwayne Wade? No, he okay. has two. He's he has two, okay. Boy, uh, I'm going to say Elgin Baylor. Elgin Baylor has four. four yeah. Very good. Um, ooh, got to go Celtics. Uh, probably no, so, forget nobody... Celtics. Boy, I, I'm trying think to think. Lakers. Think uh, Lakers not that long ago. <laughs> I can't think of anybody besides Kobe. Okay, Shaq has five. Oh, Shaq. How could I forget Shaq? And Absolutely. then Rick Barry's pretty tough at three. Yeah, Rick Barry. You wouldn't get Rick Barry. Yeah. You know, the Shaq one just, you, you said Kobe, and it completely threw me, and I, mm-hmm. I stopped. I forgot about Shaq in the first three, Pete. He was finals MVP three times. Should have gotten that one. Yeah. Um, let's look forward now as we go to game number four. We see the, t- the, the line very similar. Uh, Bucks a four-and-a-half-point favorite again at home in game four, and the total similar again sits at 220-and-a-half. This game landed right on 220. Yeah, by the way, don't ask me about the total, Mike, okay? <laughs> I, I, you know what? Actually, it's a good fade. If I give you a total, take the opposite <laughs> side. It's going to come through. But I like Milwaukee here. I'd probably look towards the money line. I think Phoenix will be competitive. Um, but I still think Milwaukee wins this game. The four and a half is a peculiar number. I think it's a little bit more difficult. Uh, but I think we go back to Phoenix, and I think game five is going to have a lot of pressure on the Suns. And what's that going to be on? When, when's that next game? Because Wednesday night is game number four, right? Correct. That surprised Friday, me a little probably bit. Wednesday, Friday, Friday, Sunday. Sunday. Okay. This is the Nuts. I'm Mike Palm. He's a Mall Shaw talking about the NBA Finals. Milwaukee Bucks draw within the game at 2-1, defending their home court last night. Uh, four and a half the uh, line now for game number four with a total of 220 and a half. Of course, the Major League Baseball All-Star game is Tuesday night, so we get the, the double break in between games three and number four. Let's take a look at Finals MVP, Amal, as, you, as you've alluded to before. Chris Paul still the favorite at 240. Giannis now off these 240-point performances down to plus 205. And then after that, 
Booker at 14 to 1, 8 and 60 to 1. Our guy Middleton up to 100 to 1. Remember, he was just 5 to 1 when Giannis was hurt. Uh, Drew Holiday, 150 to 1. And of course, Mikel Bridges at uh, 2,000 to 1 is an interesting choice. Yeah, probably not even a high enough number there. But, uh, you know, to me, it's going to come down to who you think. Giannis, I think, still at plus 205. What's the series odds? The series now is the Suns 265. You can get back plus 205. So it's the same so price. So, Giannis, okay. <laughs> I was just checking to make sure. I didn't know, you know, I didn't know if we were going full NHL here. And they're going to give out some gravy like they did with uh, Andre Vasilevsky. All right, Amal, uh, let's talk about let's talk about England, and let's start off with the Wimbledon finals because we left on Friday. You liked Ash Barty, I better yeah. straight in the match. You had uh, you had better earlier before, uh, and you had Djokovic uh, minus what was the price? I had him at one ten to win the tournament. Yeah, yeah, uh, both of them both of them win. Not uh, not surprisingly. No, not really. You know, Novak with the experience and his just. I mean, he is going to go down as the greatest player of all time eventually. Right now, I still give the slight edge to Rogers just because of what he's been able to do at such a high level. And remember, he's uh, Novak's, I think, 34, and Rogers 39. So that five years of advanced age. But uh, it's just unbelievable with Novak's dominance. He loses the first set in a tiebreaker to Berrettini. I am surprised he even got to a tiebreaker. And, you know, sometimes with these guys, it's bad when you lose the first set because they become so focused. They're hyper-focused. You you always say that the first set doesn't matter a lot to a it, guy it like doesn't. That. It doesn't. It, look, it really doesn't. He, he can throw that first set away, and then boom, Berrettini's got no shot. Yeah, uh, and so remember his first match of the tournament, he, he, lost, he lost the first, first set, set and yeah. bet him after that, and then in the final, yeah. lose the first set and bet him after that. You get him at half the odds. I, I even sometimes even better. Yeah. There's an overreaction on the pricing, and uh, but give, uh, give him and Ash Barty credit. Both tremendous performances, especially Barty. Remember, she had to withdraw in the second round of the French Open against Magdalenette. Uh, she bounces back, played a tremendous tournament. And takes care of business. As we move forward to the U.S. Open uh, mm-hmm. next, how do you evaluate the women's side, assuming Osaka will be back? Uh, you know, it's interesting. I want to see her. You know, you're going to have the tournament, I'm assuming, is going to go in uh, Canada. And then, of course, as uh, you have tune-up tournaments in the States. Let's see how they go. And depending on how they play there, you get a gauge on I think it's going to be pretty wide open. It should be very competitive. It should be a lot of fun. The hard courts really, you get, the, in my opinion, some of the best tennis. We talked a lot about the Euros over the past month. Yeah. Uh, and, of course, we got the... Uh, the conclusion of it yesterday at noon Pacific here from Wembley. England scores early. Luke Shaw in the second minute. They take a one nothing lead, and then they park the bus in the first half. Italy ties it, and then just an epic fail in penalty kicks as England missed their last three. Three substitutions that Gareth Southmore puts in the game to take kicks cold. They all three fail, and Italy gets the cup. Yeah, you know, listen, the other two at least were saves. Mm-hmm. Uh, to me, the one, the bad one was Marcus Rashford. Because Rashford is a penalty kick taker himself during you know during the Premier League, he comes up just go up there and take it. When you look at, I always think of uh, DDA Drogba with Chelsea when he comes up there against Manuel Neuer in the Champions mm. League final, just gets up there and takes it low hard to the corner. You know that first kick that uh, Harry Kane took, there was nobody in the world stopping that one. Maguire's kick, nobody in the world was stopping that kick. I mean, those are the types of penalty kicks you want. Rashford coming up there dancing, just go up there and just hit the ball and he hits the uh, post. And that was it. I'm, I'm telling you, if that Rashford goal goes in, Mike, I feel like the result on the next two might have been different. Uh, but I thought the real mistake was Garrett Southgate. When they had the 1-0 lead, you mentioned parking the bus. I haven't seen a team park a bus for 87 minutes, but give, give England credit. They tried to park it for the entirety of the match, and it was unbelievable. You, were, you had the better team. You should have been more aggressive. Even if you give up a goal, you're still level. You, you can't go throw something like that away. How does Raheem Sterling not get one of those five kicks? I have no idea because, remember, if De Bruyne's not taking it for Manchester City, you usually see Raheem Sterling as the guy that takes it for those guys. 
Uh, really uh, surprising not to see him not taken. By the way, the one thing is I like Sterling. He's got tremendous speed, but my God, this guy's got to stop acting like he gets hits by hits uh, by sniper fire every time. All right, this time we're going to welcome in uh, Robert Mays from The Athletic. He hosts their football show and, of course, writes for that terrific uh, magazine with our, our friend Michael Lombardi as well. Uh, Robert, you wrote an article about the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and this rare feat that they've accomplished in a Super Bowl champion bringing back all 22 of its starters. Um, they did some magic with the salary cap. Of course, Tom Brady helped out with that. We've been previewing all of these 32 teams uh, as most of the shows here at VSIN will do. Are we really just wasting our time? Should Tampa be the prohibitive favorite to repeat this year? I think that they should probably be the favorite solely because it, it stands out even more that they brought all those guys back because the cap went down. So as other teams, for the most part, had to trim salary and didn't get notably better in a lot of ways, I think the Chiefs probably did if you look at what they did along the offensive line. But you know they still have a pretty big hole at their second receiver spot. You know The Saints were arguably the most talented team in the league for several years when you looked at the depth and quality of their roster. They had to trim a lot of guys. The Bills, for the most part, you know, stood pat and didn't really add a ton. So I think that's what really stands out, is that most teams got worse solely because of the financial restrictions that were placed on them this year. The Bucks decided, we're going to kick the can down the road, we're going to do a lot of salary cap gymnastics we're not used to, and we're going to try to bring back every piece that we possibly can. And I think that's what makes them the favorites. But you know, we know this, it's really, really hard to win two in a row. And the reason that it's hard to win two in a row is that you need so many things to go your way. You know, think about the Chiefs and how they looked like an absolute dynasty coming into their second year after winning the Super Bowl with Patrick Mahomes. But injuries take hold. And I think that's the biggest thing with the Bucks is that even if they bring back all these guys, I believe, according to Football Outsiders, adjusted games loss, the great metric that I love looking at every year, they were the healthiest team in the NFL. That is not likely to happen again. So there are just so many different pieces that have to go your way for this to happen, even if you have the right guys on the roster. Robert, I love the assessment you gave of Tampa, but can you get the inept coaching that they received by their opponents in every game in the postseason, it seemed like? You know, the decision by uh, LaFleur to throw the ball on that screen pass was critical. Then we see Andy Reid on that third down and one call the timeout leads to a touchdown. I thought, even though they didn't play particularly well throughout the course of the season, everything you mentioned, the injuries, everything broke well for them, particularly in the postseason. Yeah, I mean, I think that you always need those sorts of things. You need a mistake on the other end. But I do think that the Bucks were playing their best football down the stretch. I think they absolutely found a recipe that worked for them offensively. You know, they really settled into a different version of themselves after the bye week when they really said, all right, what does Tom Brady like to do? What can we do more of? You're really using a ton of two tight end sets, a lot of play action. You know, he really had control of that offense down the stretch. And you could see that. I also think Byron Lefkowitz did a really good job. And I think defensively, they really settled into a different version of themselves. They're playing more aggressive man coverage and leaning on their secondary. So I think that the best version of the Bucks is the one that we saw over the last six weeks. And if we see that group again for an entire seven-week regular season, then they could be really, really good, especially compared to an NFC that I think is pretty down overall. We're talking with Robert Mays, who, of course, writes for The Athletic and hosts their football show. You can find him on Twitter, at Robert Mays. Robert, when you look at the Bucks' path to the Super Bowl last year to the NFC, the Saints lose Breeze. He retires. Aaron Rodgers really doesn't even want to play in Green Bay again. But my partner feels that the acquisition of Matthew Stafford to Southern California, the Rams should already be 
planning their ticker tape parade down Georgia Frontieri Boulevard. Does the NFC come down to the Bucks and the Rams in your estimation? Not if Aaron Rodgers is playing. I think that the Rams' offense will probably be better with Matthew Stafford. I think definitely will be better with Matthew Stafford. And I do like some of the additions they made, just in terms of the skill set and the fact that they have Deshaun Jackson there and Tutu Atwell. They did not have much speed uh, on that offense over the last couple of years. And I think that, combined with some of the hesitation about Jared Goff, really stripped that team of any ability to throw the ball down the field. That will return with Matthew Stafford. But their defense is not going to be as good as it was last year, I think for several different reasons. One, simple regression. When you have a team that is that much better on defense from one year to the next, they're almost destined to drop off. Even if Brandon Staley was still there, even if they didn't lose a guy like John Johnson, I still believe they probably wouldn't be the best defense in the NFL comfortably like the way like they were last year. But then you consider all those other factors. They do lose a guy like John Johnson, who was extremely important to what they did. They lose Troy Hill in free agency, and then they lose Brandon Staley. Now you have Raheem Morris coming in there. It's another changeover in the staff. I think they'll still be good defensively, but let's say they're the seventh best defense in the league instead of the best. That's a huge bit of slack that the offense needs to pick up. I think they're a playoff team. But I don't, I'm not necessarily penciling them in as the second-best team in the NFC like some others are. Robert, I want to ask you about the AFC and this uh, Tennessee Titans team adding Julio Jones. I think it's a huge difference maker. You already have the 18-wheeler back there with Derrick Henry. I love the way Mike Vrabel coaches this team. How dangerous, in your opinion, can they be? Because everyone obviously talks about Kansas City, Buffalo, and even potentially the Colts with Carson Wentz coming in with Frank Reich. How do you see Tennessee doing this year? I think it's a really big question, yeah, and for similar reasons. You know, there's a chance that that team it slips back a little bit in the same way the Rams' defense might. There's a chance that we've seen the best version of, of that Tennessee offense. You consider all of the work that Derrick Henry has gotten over the last couple of years, and he's stayed remarkably healthy. If he misses any time, what does that offense look like? If Julio Jones gets banged up at all, who's, that's happened over the last couple of years. Then you're back to Josh Reynolds being the second-best receiver on that team. They are not nearly as deep a tight end as they used to be with John o. Smith leaving. So this is what happens. When you have to start paying guys, it's harder to retain all of the talent that you want to offensively, and they lost Arthur Smith. I mean, he did such a good job over the last couple seasons in constructing that offense around the skill sets and strengths of guys like Tannehill, A.J. Brown, Derrick Henry. And even if you're optimistic about Todd Downing, which I am, I, th- I think that he'll do a good job. He had a huge hand in the red zone and third down work, which they're very good in both areas over the last couple of years. But I still think if we're talking about a fall from being the second or third most efficient offense in the league over the last two seasons to 10th, I'm not sure that defense can pick up that slack. I don't think they added enough. I don't think the changes they've made necessarily make them better. So to me, even with Julio Jones being there, it's kind of hard to make the argument that this Titans team is any better than the one that we would have seen over the last couple of seasons. Robert, you're a native Chicagoan, and we're so excited on draft night that the Bears wound up getting Justin Fields. There's a very interesting prop out there of who will be the Bears' week one starting quarterback. You can get Fields at plus $3. Andy Dalton, the favorite, at minus $5 right now. Talk to me about the effect you think Fields will have on this franchise, and is there a possibility that Nagy starts him in week one? I have such a hard time pinning down that situation. I was at the OI Masterminds Clinic this weekend in Dallas, and we were talking about it, what goes into it. 
and what they'll end up doing. And I think that you could see this two different ways, right? You could see the aggression for Fields as a sign that this regime, the front office and the coaching staff, has to win right now. Like, it is time. They have to make this thing happen very quick and turn this thing around for people to keep their jobs. I also can see an argument that they're going to give them time to see this Fields thing through. The fact that Matt Nagy had such a hand in drafting him, he was almost the hand-picked option for Nagy among this group. Are they going to give them a couple years to figure that out? If, they're, if the slack is there and they have time and space to see this thing through, then maybe they don't need to throw him out there in week one. But I could see the argument going either way. I still think Andy Dalton will be the week one starter because if you look back at a lot of these situations, even the guys that came in and eventually did start as rookies, they didn't start week one. You know, Justin Herbert only played because of the Tyrod Taylor injury. Even Deshaun Watson wasn't the week one starter for Houston during his rookie year. I don't believe that Josh Allen was. So these guys that came in and eventually were successful and even came in during their rookie year and showed some flashes, Baker Mayfield is another example, they weren't the week one starter. So I think when you consider the history, when you consider all of the factors, when you consider what Nagy has said, I still believe Andy Dalton will probably be the guy who starts the season for the Bears. How long he's the starter, that's hard to say. I tend to agree with you there. It's going to be a big question mark. But with the pressure that's surrounding Pace and Nagy, would they be more likely to make a change simply because uh, you got to go? I mean, weird. the red rifle is not your long-term answer. I, I feel like if you're the Bears, you start Justin Fields and throw him into the mix, and we see so many young guys. You referenced uh, Herbert because the injury to Taylor. What is there really to lose? I, I think the long-term upside, and I just think the mental uh, engagement of the team becomes better. I think that that's absolutely something that you have to take into consideration. I think when you're looking at the the locker room and really getting the locker room and feeling that you have the locker room and getting everybody excited, I think that does matter. And I think it's two different things. I'm of the mind that the guy should be out there as soon as he's ready to play. If you don't think him playing will actively deter from his development, then it's worth him being on the field because that's the only way you can learn. But in, with Nagy, you have somebody who had a front row seat to what happened with Patrick Mahomes and Alex Smith in Kansas City. And I could absolutely understand that the long-term development of this guy is all that matters. And sometimes sitting can be beneficial in one way or the other. So I'm throwing up my hands with this. I, I could see it going either way. I understand the arguments on both sides. And I really have no inside information on, in either way for what might happen. Robert, we appreciate the time this morning. Terrific, terrific information. Oh, no worries, guys. Thank, Thank you. you. So, Thank you very Thank much. You. I, I love what he said about... Talk, talk, go ahead, respond sorry. to his comment that the defense for the Rams will, will regress. Yeah, that's fair, but here's the one thing that I don't <clears> think is being taken into consideration. This offense is going to be appreciably better. And, you know, he mentioned 2-2 Atwell, and um, I forgot who else he referenced over there, but don't forget, doesn't include Robert Woods and Cooper Cup. This is a dynamic duo that somehow goes under the radar despite the fact that they play in Los Angeles. I think they're going to be dangerous. When you have an offense that's not going three and out every time, do you know how much makes your defense better when you actually have the ability to rest? We didn't get a chance to ask him about the other article he wrote about the lack of coverage of the Cowboys um, this year and how they're sort of flying under the radar. I don't think they're flying under the radar. I just think the fact that the sports world is not traveling. Give it a week and a half. Training camp opens up July 20th in Oxnard. It'll be a... It'll be an absolute buzzsaw around them. I think the fact that the division is so mediocre hurts as well. They've been mediocre for about two, two and a half decades, and they still get buzzed. All right, coming up next, we're going to preview the division races in the American League.
At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is uncanny usa he says somebody's in the house and i screamed listen to uncanny usa wherever you get your bbc podcasts if you dare if you love sports and true crime then there's a new podcast from executive producer dan patrick and hosted by me jay harris that you won't want to miss Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, at the very least, as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. Welcome back into the Nuts. He's Amal Shaw, and I'm Mike Palm. We're going to take some time today, Amal, to look at the races in each of the six divisions in baseball, and we're going to start in this segment with the American League. Let's start in the American League East, which is, in fact, the most tightly contested race so far of the six, where the Red Sox, who lost two in a row to the Phillies over the weekend, lead the Tampa Bay Rays by a game and a half. Blue Jays and Yankees, both eight back. We don't need to talk about the Orioles. Red Sox right now, a $1.29 favorite. The Rays plus one thirty, Blue Jays are eleven to one, and the Yankees are twelve to one. Yeah, I think it's going. This is a tough bet either way. I, I think this one could go either way from the uh, top between Boston and Tampa. Um, no interest in the Yankees or the Blue Jays, but when you look at the odds, it's not a bad long shot. When you realize they're going to have a ton of games within the division, if you like Toronto or if you like the Yankees, I want to bet Toronto here actually, um, but. 
I keep thinking about what Josh Towers said about never really playing in your home park and having Buffalo as your home. They were in Dundee. Uh, you know, Josh had an interesting tweet yesterday. He said, why are the Rays a dog at home? You know, he better put some respect on Robbie Ray's name, okay? <laughs> Come on. Seven innings of one-hit ball again yesterday. 3-1 yeah, Blue Jays. Exactly. By the way, if you like uh, the Yankees, they still have 18 games yeah. remaining against the Red Sox in the race. Oh, those will be some long games. You know you know what's a shame now? They've, they've three times in a week have blown big leads in the ninth inning. I mean, they, they're both. And, and Chapman's going to the All-Star game. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm not sure exactly why he's going to the All-Star game, but... Um, it's uh, really a bad one yesterday. Altuve hits the three-run homer for the Strohs. They win that game. Those are the type of games you got to get. When you've got that lead going into the ninth inning, you, you can't let those go away because you know how well Tampa and Boston in front of you are playing. And even Toronto could be a challenger as well. But I, I give the Yankees an edge over Toronto because they will still make an acquisition potentially by the trade deadline to help them out. Amidst so many storylines in sports this weekend, what might have gotten overlooked was Garrett Cole's performance on Saturday. Yeah, tremendous job in that game against uh, Zach Greinke. He was impressive. You know, he was sick two days before. They didn't even think he was going to make the start, let alone throw 132 pitches, a complete game, the most pitches thrown in Major League Baseball this year to win one nothing. Well, I mean, you have to realize most guys get pulled by the fifth inning, so you can't probably. Greg, he only more. went four, four and a third <laughs> in that game. That's exactly my point. Gave up one run. So the homer right. to Judge, who mocked Altuve as he rounded third base yeah. with the "Don't tear off my jersey." Yeah, 60, 65. Uh, <laughs> I still remember that. Yeah, like remember I'm that. so bad. I mean, uh, sixty-five <laughs> pitches for Greinke in that one. Only thirty-four strikes, though. But. Garrett Cole, very impressive job. Now, can he do it when it matters when he's going up against yeah. a Scherzer, DeGrom, Walker Bueller, one of those guys? Uh, I know you love Zach Greinke, but he's not in that same area code. How about how about Scherzer blowing the 8 nothing lead the other night? Guy had one bad outing in nine years, <laughs> and you want to jump on him. Give me oh, a I'm break. I'm just saying the things that are unbelievable. Uh, yeah, that's true. That's fair. I, 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 Let's move on to the <laughs> AL Central, Amal, where the White Sox are minus 2,000 to win this division. Um the Indians are a long-distance phone call back in second at eight <laughs> games back at plus seven to one. Tigers, Royals, and Twins, no discrimination here. They're all 100 to one at DraftKings. Yeah, you know what? The Indians pitching uh, right now, seeing seven to one, maybe not a bad shot just simply because they're going to have some opportunities. This is a weak division, and if you make up some ground against those weak opponents and then you knock off the White Sox when you have some chances, I think you can make a potential push if you're the Cleveland Indians. But otherwise, uh, no way you can bet the White Sox. That's absurd. Yeah, that is absurd. I like the fact that the White Sox do really throw out a starting five rotation, though. Although, you know, our friend Wave Krivsky told us, if you take Cease's numbers out against the Tigers, he's terrible. Uh, he had a little bit of a rough outing. Giolito got back on a winning track in Baltimore uh, on Saturday. All right, and then let's move on to the AL West, where, I don't know, are this, is this still your pick to come out of the American League, the Astros, or are you leaning to the White Sox right now? Uh, I, I am looking at the White Sox. Yeah. I think the Astros win this division. Uh, but, you know, when I said the Astros, I liked them because they were 13-1. to 1. I think the White Sox still, to me, I, I like this team a little bit more. Uh, the pitching is good. You know, when you look at this Houston team, which guy do you sit there and say, hey, I want to give the ball to him, and I'm confident when he takes it? Zach Greinke, what's he going to give you, four innings? Zach Greinke was the king of being paid yeah. like a number one who always went six innings. Yeah, I, he is the guy, though, in a one-game format. Is, is it Urquidy? I don't think it's Urquidy. Framber Valdez? Uh, Valdez has been good, although he got, he got rocked. Yeah. The A's sit here um, three and a half back there, plus four to one. I think they still probably will get in as a wild card. Interesting, the price on the Mariners, 27 to one. They're only seven games back. Yeah, but I I mean, look, if you want to play it in terms of, you know, the term that's overused at this network. Value? value yes, exactly. 
Um, you know, I always sit there and say the value is in who wins. Do you believe the Mariners can be, when you look at it, they've played, what, uh, 91 games? Over the next 71 games, can they be better than Houston by eight games? Up next, we're going to take a look at them all in in the Palm Reader playbook. I don't know how many plays we're going to have. There's not many games going on. But over the weekend, I'm all between the two of us. We went 7-1-2, and two, and you had a perfect record. <laughs> <laughs> nice job by you going 6-1-2. Six, one, six, six, one one two. Two. Yep. Well, I had NOLA first five. We have a VSIN subscriber exclusive this Tuesday. Long Shots host Brady Cannon and Wes Reynolds will be answering your golf betting questions live, just in time for the Open Championship. They will be live Tuesday at 3.15 p.m. Eastern. That's 12.15 p.m. Pacific for a subscriber-only Q&A session. Subscribers will have access to watch live and ask questions, or you can email your questions ahead of time to questions at vsin.com. Watch for the link in your subscriber email. And join Brady and Wes for all the golf betting insights this Tuesday. I always said we should have call-in show here. The nuts. Yeah, we could I don't, take I don't think the Frenchman likes that. Yeah, I don't think so either. This is the Nuts. I'm Mike Palm, and he's Amal Shaw. Remember when we used we, to do? We actually had the best call-in show here. It was called The Cover 2. David Moulton and I used to do. Really? It was a simulcast between ESPN, U, and VEASAN. Probably got too much of a rating, so they canceled it. I never heard of it. Because <laughs> we don't publicize anything here but the Ron Flatter Racing Pod. <laughs> No read today. I was, the Ron Flatter Racing Pot will be out later this week. 30 uh, races until next year. Let's move on to the National League. Amal, we previewed the American League. I want to start in the NL Central because I have a bet that I'm going to make here today. Uh, the Brewers currently have a uh, four-game lead now over the Reds. The, the Brewers won the opening game in that series in Milwaukee, and then the Reds, Sweet. The then Reds closed out the last three, three yeah. to pull back within four games. They were all low-scoring, tight games. Um, in the Reds right now at plus 5-1, to one, the Brewers, you see... Um, According to DraftKings, at minus six seventy, Cubs and Cardinals are both sixteen to one, and the Pirates long out of it at uh, five hundred to one. Cubs and Cards eight games out currently. I like the Reds here. I'm going to make a bet at five to one. I bet the Reds to win the National League last year. I got them into the playoffs, and then they couldn't score any runs in Atlanta. But I, I don't like the Brewers. I th- I'm going to fade the Brewers. I don't think they hit enough. I agree with you completely. I think the offense for Milwaukee is a big question mark. You look at Cincinnati, just four games back. They were seven going into Friday, and then they were able to overcome that, and they did a tremendous job pitching. Look at how much they limited the Milwaukee offense. Also, to me, I wouldn't take a look at the Cubs here, but how about the Cardinals? If they can get it going a little bit offensively, they've got a chance. I think this is probably the one division race where you have a team eight games back that could actually make a push because of the inconsistency with the team at the top. Yeah, I think it's a weak division. Yeah. I just don't think there's a lot of strength there. Like we said, every team, and when we had Adnan Verk on, every team has a mortal flaw in this division. Absolutely. And, and you know, you mentioned Milwaukee's inability to hit consistently. I think that's going to be a problem for them down the stretch. And they play in a hitter-friendly park at Miller. Uh, still have not been able to get it done consistently. You know, when we talk about the Reds rotation, Garcia's been lights out. Luis Garcia, who yep. had the worst ROI in baseball through, for the, through the first two months. They still haven't got a lot out of Sonny Gray. But Molly and Miley have been good at the bottom part of the rotation. That's where I favor them over the— great. I favor them now. Eight, nine of ten starts with two earned runs or less. He went eight and didn't give up a run in Milwaukee the other night. 
This is where I favor them over. I understand that you've got Woodruff. I think Burns outpitched his his real ability in the first half. Peralta's very good, but then four and five, Milwaukee doesn't have a lot of answers. Oh, not only that, the other thing is I think Milwaukee, you know, you can pitch well, but at some point in time, particularly in July and August, you've got to be able to score some runs with the weather being warmer. I, I think Cincinnati's very dangerous. We've seen what they've been able to do so far offensively this year. Castellanos, I mean, has been tearing the cover off the baseball. So I think this team is extremely dangerous. Yeah, and he's been hitting in key spots. All right, let's move to the AL, or excuse me, the NL East, where the Mets continue to have the lead in this division. They're up three and a half on the Phillies at the break, four on the Braves, six on the Nats, only nine on the Marlins. And we take a look at the odds. The Mets favored minus 286. The Braves, who are actually in third place, are the second choice at plus 650. The Phils plus $7. The Nats plus 750. And the Marlins, who I said are nine games out, are 40 to 1. I don't like the Braves as much with the Acuna injury. I think that's a huge blow. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Impacts them in a profound way. Philadelphia, I still think, is very dangerous. Uh, Washington National is also a team that could be pretty dangerous. I think this is a wide-open race. The Mets' lack of consistency in terms of scoring. And when you look at it, yes, Walker has pitched well and Stroman has pitched effectively. I don't think those guys... I, I like Walker more than I do Stroman. I'm not convinced that Stroman can be a guy that leads you down the primrose path into the postseason along with DeGrom and Walker. So they've got to find a way to get some consistency. Michael Conforto really struggling to hit the baseball. You know, he's a guy that when you look at him a couple of years ago, this was probably arguably their best offensive hitter. And now you've got a situation where they have no consistency. I think the problem is Lindor, though. They signed this big contract. He's still not hitting the ball. He's making errors in the field. If he'd have played just to 80% of what he did in the productivity in Cleveland, this team would be running away with this division. Yeah, I would agree with you. You'd probably be looking, instead of a a three-and-a-half-game lead right now, you'd probably be looking at a team with about a seven-game lead because he has the ability with his offensive prowess and defensively to be able to carry you. They've got to get on track. Still a four-game lead in the loss column, which bodes well for them. And they, they're looking at a scenario where they are technically one game in hand over the Phillies. So all these things, I know it's minuscule at this point in time, but it'll matter down the stretch. How concerned are you about DeGrom's health in terms of when you look at making a bet on the Mets here? I think that's a great question. And I think it's a big concern because the one problem has always been the lack of ability in terms of pitching deep into games. You know, he's been terrific. And I was looking at his stats comparing him to Gooden in 85. You know, Gooden went like about eight innings per game at that stretch. I, I forgot, like 16 complete games or something, eight shutouts. I mean, DeGrom's going to need a seven-inning doubleheader to get a complete game shutout. And he's the best pitcher in baseball right now. But the fact is that lack of consistency from an injury standpoint is a concern. We're looking at the Cy Young odds right now for the National League here. The only name on this list that I have any interest Kevin in at Gossman. all is Kevin Gossman. Absolutely. At 15-1. to 1. Uh, and, and when we talk about the NL West where we're heading next, and you look at the fact that the Dodgers uh, still trail the Giants here in this division by two games but are still favored by minus 305, you know, think about, when you think about if Bauer doesn't come back, and we don't know what the situation is going to be, they extended the administrative leave another week. I mean, you're really looking at Bueller and Kershaw as the big two for the Dodgers. It's been who? Darvish and Snell? Darvish yeah. and, and Musgrove for San Diego? I, I mean, to me, Gaussman and Desclafani have been the best two pitchers in the division. Yeah, I just don't know. I trust Gaussman. I don't know if I necessarily trust Desclafani in the into the postseason or into late September, but the Giants give them credit once again, still finding ways. Four-game winning streak into the All-Star break, two-and-a-half game lead over the Dodgers. This team is extremely dangerous. Uh, and, you know, when you look at some of the nucleus, Posey, obviously he just went on the injured list with a thumb issue. Uh, Cam, uh, excuse me, uh, Brandon Crawford and then, of course, Brandon Belt. This team's got a couple of the pieces that they had from their great run. Uh, this team could be still extremely dangerous. I look at this weekend as being pretty telling in that division. You know, the Nationals went down to Petco and banged the ball all over the yard for four games. They went up to San Francisco, couldn't score. 
And if you're San Diego, are you concerned about losing two games to the Rockies, the worst road team in baseball? You know, normally I would say yes on the surface, but in baseball over the course of 162, you're going to have a couple of hiccups along the way. I mean, the Dodgers lost, uh, what, two out of three against the uh, against the uh, Diamondbacks yeah, this did. weekend. They so, did. you know, those things happen over the course of a season. I don't think it's anything to be alarmed about. Still, San Diego at 53 and 40 overall this year, very impressive. The key for them is that, you know, that postseason, they got to get out of that wild card spot if they can catch the Giants. Well, three teams come out of this division, a winner and two, both wild yeah, cards. Absolutely. Any value here do you see? You, do you think the Giants can hang on at, at plus 350 or the Dodgers to win it at minus $3 offers a, a bet for you? No, I think the plus 350 and the Giants has to be the play right now. Two-game lead, an opportunity team has played extremely well, and you're going to have some opportunities to hedge off if this thing gets even a little bit more out in front with the Giants. All right, when we come back, we're going to continue our preview of the NFL teams. We're going to the AFC South, and we'll start with the Indianapolis Colts. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, at the very least, as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating Cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, 
Apple Podcast or wherever you get your podcast. If you're if you're looking for a hot tip to bet on, Bet River Sportsbook has you covered every day. Go to the Bet Rivers app or betrivers.com and find the game you want to bet on. Tap tips and you'll get instant research for the upcoming matchup. Try it out for baseball, soccer, tennis, and a variety of other sports. And to make your experience even more rewarding, Bet Rivers offers the most live streams of major sports, instant payouts, and only one time playthrough. Bet Rivers, your hometown sportsbook. Offer valid in Colorado, Iowa, Illinois, Indiana, Virginia, Michigan, and Pennsylvania. Available at PlaySugarHouse.com in New Jersey. Must be 21. Gambling problem? Illinois, New Jersey, Pennsylvania. Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Indiana, 1-800-9-WITH-IT. Colorado, 1-800-522-4700. Michigan, 1-800-270-7117. Virginia, 1-888-532-3500. In Iowa, call 1-800-BETS-OFF. Welcome back into the Nuts. I'm Mike Palm. He's Amal Shaw. And we're going to start out with our preview of the AFC South. Amal, really, the AFC South and the NFC West are the two divisions where you have a co-favorite. Rams and 49ers in the West. And then here in the AFC South... The favoritism has really gone back and forth between the Colts and the Titans. We see the Colts just a tick shorter price than the Titans right now at plus 105 to win the division. The Titans are plus 110. Your boy Urban Meyer's Jaguars are plus $8. And the Texans, who we don't know will be at quarterback, but we do know who will be the coach at 28-1. to You know, look, I think Urban's going to do a terrific job there, but I think it's a little bit overreaching here with the respect. This is a team that won what, one football game last year? I mean, they had the eight first to one. Yeah, eight to one. Two good teams in the division. <laughs> yeah, it's exactly. You got two potential playoff teams there with the Colts and the Titans. I favor the Tennessee Titans with the acquisition of Julio Jones. I think that makes AJ Brown a better receiver. You have an elite level receiver. My money's still probably the second best receiver in the National Football League behind DeAndre Hopkins. I love what Julio Jones can do. I think he's going to make Tannehill better. I also think he's going to make the 18 wheeler Derrick Henry even better because now you've got a legitimate one and two in terms of the threats to catch the football. Who's the best coach in the division? Uh, Mike Vrabel. Better than Urban Meyer. Yeah, Urban Meyer's never coached an NFL game. Interesting. Well, uh, well, well hold on. Why I think do you... it's an interesting choice. Look, I, I'm not particularly a Vrabel fan, despite the fact that he's a Buckeye. I think he does a tremendous job of having his team prepared. He seems to be uh, very detail-oriented, kind of like Belichick is. Frank Reich, I have some questions about still. Uh, you know, the fact that they made a decision to go with Phillip Rivers, that was my first question about him. And then when you look at Urban, he might be do a, he might do a terrific job there. But again, they're taking over a situation where there's still a lot of improvement to be done. Well, we'll see if he can rebuild that program like yeah. what he did at Ohio State. Because Amal, when he arrived at Ohio State, and since the Big Ten has not been competitive. No, it truly hasn't. And Remember not, his first year, he went undefeated after a six and seven mm-hmm. year under Luke Fickle, yeah. and they were not eligible for. The, yeah. yeah, they would have played Notre Dame. Yes, they would have. <laughs> It's just it's really amazing what he did there. For yeah. all he did at Florida, what he yeah. did at Ohio State was that much better. All right, let's take a look at the Colts specifically. Their odds to win the Super Bowl are 25 to 1 to represent the AFC in the Super Bowl 12 to 1. As we mentioned, they are the slight favorite to win the South at plus 105. Your win total of all is 10. 17 game season with nine home games. The over is gets the plus price here, plus 115. You have to lay almost 140 if you think they're going to go under 10. To make the playoffs a favorite as well, minus 182, and to miss the playoffs, plus 149. I'm going over. I like You're going over 115. You think this is an 11-6 or better team? Well, not only that, remember the 10 works as a tie for me as a push. When you look at this, Mike, worst case scenario, they should be 4-2, 5-1 realistic, and a great scenario of 6-0 in the division. 
then outside in the other 11 games, you got to figure out a way to win four games. The worst case scenario, I think, is four and two. Very worst, worst case, case scenario. I think Jacksonville yeah. could potentially get them. Yeah. I think Houston, unless they see Deshaun Watson, even if Deshaun Watson is there, won't make a difference in my opinion. Let's take a look at their schedule now and look at when they're, they're out of division games. They get the Seahawks and the Rams at home. Um, they travel to play the Dolphins. They travel to play the Ravens. They travel to play the 49ers. Um, Jets at home. Uh, at Bills, a tough game. They get the Bucks at home. Uh, Patriots, I think this is important. They get the Patriots at home instead of going to Foxborough. They do go to Arizona, the Raiders at home. Yeah, I think when you look at it on paper, the schedule looks extremely tough. You look at it, the 49ers, the Rams at home, uh, Seattle at home. But at the Ravens, there's probably some losses in there. But big picture-wise, okay, Buffalo, Tampa, San Francisco, the Rams, excuse me, and the Ravens. Outside of that, the rest of these games, against, with the exception of the game against Tennessee on the road, they're going to be favored in the rest of them. <sighs> I think interesting first two weeks for them at home. You get, I, I you like get those two Seattle. You get those two NFC West teams. Well, I like them a lot against Seattle. I think the Rams going to be a tougher matchup. Uh, Seattle, to me, has, still has some question marks of consistency. This Colts team should be pretty good. And you know what? It's a big prove-it year for Carson Wentz. I mean, now you got Frank Reich back in the mix. Remember, he was the offensive coordinator when he had that successful season. They went to the Super Bowl. He had gotten injured. Nick Foles takes over. So we'll see what he's able to do going forward uh, with this team. Well, my play here is to make the playoffs, and I don't have to lay the price at uh, minus 182. But when I look at the AFC, I think you have Chiefs in the West. Chargers are a, a wild card team. Yeah. Um, I think when you look at the AFC North, I'm not big on Pittsburgh. I don't think they make the playoffs here. I think they continue to regress. So you got Baltimore, Cleveland, one wins, one's a wild card team. I think you only get one team, Buffalo, out of the East. And then yeah. I think here it's Titans, Colts, one wins, and one's a wild card team. So I, I, I think they have to be a pretty prohibitive favorite to make the playoffs. I, I like that selection. I think that's a really good one. Um, I just didn't want to lay the 182 because I think this team has a chance to be extremely dangerous in terms of where they're at. Uh, I, I think they're going to be a really good team overall. All right, let's take a look at the individual awards for the Colts, coach, uh, Colts, the coach and the players. Frank Reich, to be coach of the year, is 16-1. to 1. Carson Wentz, to be the MVP, 40-1. to 1. To be the offensive player of the year, 60-1. to 1. Uh, To be the comeback player of the year is 9-1. to 1. Yeah, you know, I don't understand why, if you're going to be offensive player of the year, you're probably not going to win MVP. I mean, especially <laughs> if you're a quarterback. So you have to take the 60-1 to 1 if you're going to take it instead of the MVP. I'll tell you what, Jonathan Taylor, I'm, I'm surprised he's only 20-1 to 1 because he's a running back, but he had an outstanding rookie year. He got off to a little bit of a slow start, and then he found himself. You know, Mike, when you look at it, people don't realize this guy led the NCAA in rushing uh, in, in his three years, had the most yards accumulated at Wisconsin over a three-year career. He has been tremendous. I look at this team. You get, uh, obviously, Pittman, Hilton, uh, T, uh, Paris Campbell healthy. They're going to be dangerous. They've got a tremendous offensive line. If Carson Wentz can be accurate, this team is going to be really tough offensively. Let's take a look at the defensive players for the, for those awards. Uh, Darius Leonard, defensive player of the year, is thirty three to one. DeForest Buckner, defensive player of the year, a hundred to one. And then interesting here, Quiddy Pay for defensive rookie of the year is just ten to one. Yeah, you know, to me, it's a situation where I look at it. Uh, I think DeForest Buckner at a hundred to one probably is the one that holds the most value, or Den- Darius Leonard, because he's going to accumulate statistics playing linebacker. You know, you're going to get a ton of st- uh, uh, tackles, so I think there's an opportunity for him there. I don't know if I'm necessarily going to go with Quiddy Pay here at 10-1. to 1. I think his odds should be a little bit higher, but he could be effective for this Colts team. They're going to be a lot of fun to watch. I think this is a team you got to really keep an eye out for. When you look at the quarterbacks in this division, mm-hmm. let's assume Deshaun Watson plays. Okay. okay. Let's just make that assumption. So you're, you're looking at Trevor Lawrence, 
uh, Carson Wentz, mm -hmm. your guy Tannehill, yep. and Deshaun Watson. Rank them one through four. <laughs> Watson, <laughs> Watson, Wentz, Tannehill, and Lawrence. Where do you think Lawrence has the potential to be in that group? A chance to be number one. Yeah. That's why you drafted him number one. I mean, this guy's supposed to be the savior. Uh, I like his disposition. Uh, you know what? The one thing I thought that was very underrated with Trevor Lawrence is his speed. I think he's a lot faster than people realize. We saw it in the national, uh, national semis against Ohio State a couple of years ago. His couple, of, He had a couple of great runs, really impacted that team. Uh, I, I tell you, this selection of Travis Etienne, even though I'm not as big on Etienne, obviously, as I am Najee Harris, I love the pick of Etienne to go with Lawrence because of what they've been able to do for the last three years at Clemson. I think it's important also for Urban Meyer to give him that flexibility because you know he's a he's a run-first coach. Yeah, absolutely. But you can use an extended running game because you can throw a lot of screen passes to Etienne. Yeah, and yeah. I'll tell you what, Urban can get very creative offensively, and he, you know... Except look, in that game against against Michigan State in the rain in the horseshoe. Don't even get me started. He ran JT Barrett more than ever. But uh, <laughs> to your point, you know, he's been looking for that replacement of Percy Harvin, Harvin that he had for those three years in Florida. If he can use Etienne, he doesn't obviously have the speed that Harvin had, but he's still a very fast guy. Um, I, I think this team can be dangerous. And here's the other thing to me. The one thing that Jacksonville should be able to do is you should be able to bring in guys in free agency. You've got a coach in Urban. A lot of these players are going to know because he probably recruited them at some point in time. No state income tax there. Duvall's got great support. That's the only professional team there. There's a lot of reasons why you should be able to bring in guys to play at Jacksonville. I think this team is built very well and will give Carson Wentz a great opportunity to succeed as well as being reunited with Frank Reich. Um, we'll, we'll get a lot of questions answered about how good Carson Wentz is this year when you put him in this spot. Absolutely. We're going to find out who, how good he is, and we'll also find out a little bit more about how good this Colts team can be. Well, it's Christmas morning again here at VSIN because we've got the home run derby of all. I know you're... <laughs> I know you're looking forward to it tonight uh, from Coors. Let's take a look at the odds. Your, your number one seed. Did, how about the seeding here? Does the seeding here make as much difference as tennis? You always no. say the seeding makes no difference in tennis. And it's the same, it's thing, same here. thing here. It makes no difference. <laughs> by, by the way, I just want to know how they threw in Trey Mancini and uh, Salvador Perez. Do you ever think of Salvi Perez as a home run hitter? No, I, I, I do not. Uh, Shohei Otani is your number one seed, and he's plus 250 to win the Derby. Of course, He's your home run leader uh, this year with 33. Joey Gallo, plus 450, is the second choice. Pete Alonzo at plus $5. Matt Olson, 525. Trevor's story is interesting. You get a little bit of an advantage here because he gets to hit in this park all the time at 8 to 1. Juan Soto, also 8 to 1. Salvi Perez is 10 to 1. And then Trey Mancini, the long shot at 14 to 1. These odds. Brought to you via Bet Rivers. Yeah, I saw a Trevor story earlier at eleven to one. I thought that was not a bad yeah. shot. I think when you look at these things outside of Mancini and Perez, you got to look at the long shots, whether it be Olsen, Story, or Soto, because in this thing, I really don't understand how they reach a conclusion of who to bet on. I, I mean, to me, it, it's an absolute crapshoot. Yes, Otani's got thirty-three homers. It's a lot different when you're hitting different types of pitches. This is just you know whoever you deem the person that you want to throw you the baseball, you can you can knock out twenty bombs. I think the hardest thing about this is just the stamina, right? Because you're taking so many swings and then you have to go through a four rounds to do it. I think it just, guys get tired. And so the ones that have the least energy type swings, the most compact swings tend to do well here. Will you watch this tonight? You already know the answer to that question. Will you watch highlights of it at any point? No. Okay. I may. Depends on what I'm doing. What is there to see highlights of the guys hit home runs? I mean, and I mean, are we gonna have Chris Berman saying back, back, back when the balls hit three miles outside of course? I like it with the kids making catches on the balls that are just short. Make sure to yeah, stay. Yeah, it's on Blake Street. I'll be interested. 
<laughs> Make sure to stay tuned to Visa. Up next, Betting Across America. We don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast, is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, Somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts, if you dare. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app. Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast.